episode 87 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast takes off now. Hi, this is Carl Valeri, and I inspire other aviation professionals and people that are interested in flying to move forward in their career by taking one step every day towards their aviation career goal. What is going on, Aviation Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today, I'm talking with Carl Valeri. Carl is the host of Aviation Careers Podcast, and he has the website aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you haven't heard about that website, you should definitely go check it out. He has a very, very great scholarship guide where he has over $50 million in scholarships up there. So go ahead and check that out and make sure you apply to all those scholarships to help pay for your flight school. Aviation, this episode is a good one. Carl talked about why he started the podcast, why he started in aviation. He has a very unique journey in aviation. And I think that you will really enjoy hearing it and hearing about just how we got to where he is today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can check us out on our website, www.pilotthepilothq.com, where you can find all our links to social media and to Patreon. Aviation, without any further ado, here's Carl Valeri. Carl, what is going on? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Hey, man, this is great to be here. I've been so excited to, I've been listening to your podcast, I've been so excited to be on your show. I think you're really inspiring folks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy. I mean, never in my wildest dreams that I ever think that the podcast would kind of be where it is today. Um, so backstory, I told some other people this, I don't know if you know this, but my wife actually had me start the podcast. I was playing too many video games in my days off. She's like, you need to do something more. <laughs> I was like, fine. <laughs> so I gave in, started the podcast and I mean, going from what, like 20 listeners for the first one and now it's, it's doing pretty well and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, I am so happy for you. And I, I think what you're doing is terrific for uh, those folks out there. You know, with mine, the Aviation Careers podcast, I, I do p- point people in your direction just to hear those stories of pilots and how did they get to where they are today? Not just people doing it for a career, but people that just absolutely love aviation. Yeah. And that's what's crazy is that so many people have kind of the same job. They might fly for the same airline. They might fly for the same corporate department, but the way that they got there and how they interact with aviation is completely different. So it's been a lot of fun and it's been great just to hear these stories. Well, I'm excited to uh, get talking about uh, my story because I've been hearing so many of the other folks out there and, you know, everybody's path to where they are is varied, but the path that is yours is the most important. And uh, I can't wait to, to start talking about mine. Absolutely. Well, let's start right now. The first question I have for you is why aviation? What was the original inspiration for you to get involved with aviation? You know, I think it's similar to many other people in that I started by just being interested in aviation from a modeling perspective. I was into doing, uh, you know, model airplanes. My brother and I, the only one thing that we could agree on was our favorite airplane, and that was the F-4. <laughs> and we, and then I went on to building rockets and things like that. And it really was from that perspective. I was actually trained in computer science, actually computer science, math, and psychology. I worked in artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, doing language, you know, recognition is where I wanted to go. And someone one day said to me, hey, you know, you can actually fly those things. So that is the why behind it. I mean, I really did not think in by any means that I personally could fly a plane because I wear glasses and I thought I couldn't fly airplanes. And boy, we found out that's not true, huh? How old were you? So obviously you're younger with your brother, with the model airplanes, and then later you had a whole different career, I'm guessing, and then you kind of had mm-hmm. that aha moment where like, wow, I actually fly planes. How old were you 
when you made that decision to fly airplanes? So just to let you understand, I wasn't that young when I kept building model airplanes. I started at a young age. Okay, here's the geek side of me. I still like to do that, uh, but uh, don't tell anybody. You know, it's just between you and me and all the thousands <laughs> yeah. of other listeners out there. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> but one of the things that I found out when I went to college was that point when that person told me. And what's here's the funny thing is the person that told me that I could actually fly the plane instead of building the models was somebody I didn't even like, and. It was so crazy. And I said, okay, I'll try it. I went to the airport. Now, I went to school in Scranton, Pennsylvania, University of Scranton, and some little airport just south of there. I, I said, you know what? Let me try it out. I went flying, and I looked at the guy next to me. I said, dude, this is so cool. And he says, he says, yeah, man, I get paid for doing this. And I said, oh, man, I want to do that. And you know when that aha moment happened? My senior year in college, I was just finishing up a degree in computer science, and I was like, this is this is what I want to do. This is so darn cool being up here flying around. And I used to hang out at Newark Airport when I was young and watch the planes take off and land. I was just mesmerized by them, but not in my wildest dreams that I think I could fly it. That was uh, May 1st, 1989, solo to May 30th. Oh, uh, wow. So you're moving. That year. And well, yeah. And back then, remember, we didn't have pre-solo writtens. I'm kind of dating myself. Uh, but the one of the things that was was really really, really important, and I like to stress this, is the person that was my instructor. He was so excited about aviation, he turned me on to aviation, because it could have been the other way around. It could have been someone saying, oh, no, you don't want to do this. And and obviously, that started happening later on in my career, but it was that one day. And the cool thing is, my I placed out of most of my finals my senior year. But the only problem is, I kind of like came home from school I told my parents, I said, hey, you know, this is really cool. I know I've been working in computers and stuff, and uh, I worked various jobs to make extra money. I worked, uh, you know, worked in a maintenance shop and stuff like that on cars and all. And I said, I think I want to fly airplanes. And they're like, you kidding me? I just spent all this money on your college education. So You couldn't have thought about that earlier? <laughs> exactly. Well, they didn't understand that it didn't matter what degree you had. And actually, I didn't either at the time. But I said, you know, it kind of made me feel a little guilty. So I said, you know what? I'll put that off. And I'll get into the computer business. And that's when um, I've been kind of a serial entrepreneur. I'm one of these people that actually really, you know, likes business and I've always worked for myself. So I started a computer consulting firm and that was, uh, that was a real blessing and enabled me to finance all my flying. And it was kind of tough, you know, trying to go from designing computer systems for Fortune 100 companies to coming home and trying to finish up my ratings. Uh, So that was a bit of a challenge, but I really enjoyed it, absolutely loved it, and I was just bitten by the bug. And because of the fact that I was a consultant, I was going all over the country, I wound up getting my ratings at almost every single rating I got was at a different school, sometimes in different states. Yeah, I went from Pennsylvania to New Jersey, went to Connecticut, Florida, and just can't even remember, Texas. I mean, just just all these different various places. So that's what happened. I said, okay, I want to do this. But that was in 1989. And I said, let me let me build this business. Well, you know, just a, a fast forward, I said, okay, I want to do this, but I also got married. I wound up, uh, I have family in the Bahamas, and I wound up moving down there and is in the Abacos. And so I was like down there saying, hey, I know, I understand importing and exporting, especially in the computer field on equipment, et cetera. So uh, her family owned a lobster plant, and I said, hey, can I start importing these things to the U.S.? They said, sure. And I had no idea 
how much money was in lobster? And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to quit doing my regular job and just do selling lobster. It sounds kind of crazy, but there was, I'm, I'm fast forwarding very quickly because that was over 10 years. I learned the lobster business, wound up being the largest exporter of uh, Abaco brand lobster tails and uh, was selling them all over the U.S. And again, that was quite the blessing financially to me. And I was able to pursue my aviation as a hobby. So 10 years, I didn't get out of aviation totally. I decided just to do it as a hobby. So wound up getting my multi-engine uh, rating, started flying around and just, just, but really missed it though. Really, really missed it. And, uh, you know, things changed personally in my life and uh, had to go back to, uh, uh, had a, a, I got divorced and came back to the U.S. and went back to the computer field, which I knew. And when, while I was in the U.S., um, the the lady I was dating at the time in the U.S. said to me, said, well, you know, two of the things you've always wanted to do, you've always wanted to move into and live into a, live in a motorhome, and you've always wanted to fly. Why don't you buy a motorhome, live in it, and flight instruct while you're living in it? <laughs> That's exactly what I did. That that was another aha moment for you. Like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Well, when you're young and you're, you know, I didn't have kids or anything like that. You can you can kind of do those type of things. Um, I, I obviously I, I was responsible. I paid my bills and stuff like that. But uh, what a neat lifestyle that was, and being able to you know move my motorhome around while I was doing instructional jobs and uh, seeing the world from a different perspective. What was interesting is this, and I always challenge people: go out and do something like that. If you're in aviation, get into boating, motorhomes, cars, etc., because they're very similar. A motorhome has an, an auxiliary power unit. <laughs> it's called a generator. It has water systems. It has, in some instances, hydraulic systems. And, and you have all these different uh, shedding of loads, et cetera, when you turn things on that's similar to an airplane. So there was some tie in there, which I think was part of the interest. Uh, but really, what was interesting for me is I got so into it. It was like I was eating, breathing, sleeping, just, just flying. And I absolutely loved flight instructing. And I got into it so much. They, there's a, the National Association of Flight Instructors started this thing called the Master CFI. I was teaching in the Tampa Bay area at the time. I was the first uh, flight instructor to renew their flight instructor certificate by using the Master CFI. That Master CFI is a, it's a really challenge to get. And it was just a testament to how much I love teaching. And I still, to this day, absolutely love teaching. So that's what I did. I went and flight instructed for a while. And uh, that was 10 years later. So remember, I'm it, it was uh, uh, 2009, excuse me, 99, 99, excuse me, 99. And uh, so from 89 to 99 was the span of 10 years where I wasn't doing it professionally. 99 I did, but unfortunately, um, at that time, it was a little tougher. Yeah. And I got hired at an airline in April of 01. Uh, really, no one thought I would ever go to an airline because they're like, gosh, you you love this so much. You love teaching so much and you like interacting with people. And I was flying, I was flying a Hawker, I was flying a King Air, I was flying a 172, a Tomahawk, you know, all these different airplanes and just really enjoying life. And I said, you know what, I guess I'll give this a try. So I went out, flew for a company called Continental Express out of uh, over in um, in Houston. And what was interesting, I still had the old manuals from the Texas Air Group and went over there in uh, September of 01. Uh, it really changed my life in that, you know, I basically September 11th and then September 25th, I was furloughed. Uh, that, that, was, that was a tough time of it. But in between, I wound up just building my ratings and just like everybody else and, and moving forward just by building the time 
but the cool thing is I really enjoyed the journey. And I remember uh, the guy who was interviewing me at Continental Express asking me, why do you have so many hours and now you're applying? I said, man, I just, I love, I love instructing. I love teaching. He says, okay, I get it. And what was really interesting, the guy liked me so much. He says, you're hired. I didn't even do a, a technical interview. The guy just like, here, you're hired. You know, we, we really, you know, would love to have you here. And, and that's, that went that route. So yeah. welcome aboard. The, yeah. Welcome aboard. You're getting furloughed. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is I, I had, and this is important if you're doing this as a career, make sure you write down every place you've lived and every place you've worked, especially during a downturn in the economy. Cause I was, I couldn't even remember where I lived. I went from one place to the next. As a matter of fact, I developed a system where I took uh, boxes, cardboard boxes, put them in my car and I would go someplace, get a job. And usually it's within 12 months I'd lose that job uh, because it was so tough aviation at the time. So I went from one airline I worked at Continental Express uh, as a pilot. Then I went to Continental Airlines as a reservation agent so I could keep my longevity. Because remember back then, there were one in the same. And you just automatically went and became a Continental Airlines pilot. Well, I uh, but <laughs> what happened is I wasn't flying and I needed hours. So I started flight instructing on the side. And then they called me and said, hey, listen, we can't keep... Uh, they were paying me to stay at home because... They were going to send me. They were going to send me to commute air. Excuse me. Back up one second. They were going to send me to go to commute air, uh, but they said, "You know what? You're going to come back to work for Continental Express in six months, so we'll just pay you to stay at home." So I was like, "Cool. I get paid to be a flight instructor." I was like, "I'm I'm okay with that." Um, the only <clears throat> the only funny thing is that um, well, sad thing is I was making more as, as a reservation agent than a first year first officer at the airlines, and it was like, wow. Um, but six months later, they, they started furloughing again and said, hey, listen, we're not going to uh, bring you back, but we need you to go fly. I was like, yes, please, I want to go fly. So that's when I wound up going to SkyWest. They said you know, it, was a jet for a job, it was a jet for a job deal. And what that means is that Continental started hiring other airlines to fly their regionals. That's common practice now, but back then it wasn't so much for Continental. And so they hired SkyWest to do some flying for them. And I wound up going out to Utah once again, packing up my boxes in my car, driving out there. Uh, Usually what I did when I'd roll into a city, I would rent a room from somebody. And what, oh, another thing I learned, don't ever rent a room uh, from anybody in the aviation industry because they won't feel sorry for you when you go to work at three in the morning. Yeah, no, they're not. No, not at all. (laughs) So I just, I would rent rooms from, you know, people that were outside the industry and they're like, oh man, I feel so sorry for you. Oh, here, here's some food to take with you and stuff like that. I made you some of this. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, thanks. But, but during that period, a big, a really important uh, thing that happened is while I was at Continental Express, uh, I was like, you know, my whole career had been interviewing people, especially in the computer industry, and helping people get jobs. And I was pretty good at that, you know. And I said, I could do this in this world. So at the time, this guy named John Prater, who wound up being the president of the Airline Pilots Association, I went to him and said, Listen, I know I'm furloughed, but I want to help other people. You know, what could I do? And these are my skills. And he says, Why don't you become the furlough rep? So I wound up becoming the furlough representative for Continental Express and then eventually for United Express. And eventually I started getting people who were furloughed at Continental and United jobs. And that's what I did. I started networking throughout you know, the whole world, getting jobs in China, Jordan, uh, Great Britain, and just you know, South America. And I would find guys with like 7.3 type ratings. And I said, you know, let me do this. I did that for 11 years, 11 years, until the point when I got hired with my current airline. 
And when I got hired with my current airline, I uh, kind of had to give that up. And uh, I was kind of almost happy to do it because it really wore me out. But in the meantime, I said to myself, I really, w- I still want to help people. So what can I do? And I started, uh, I was invited to join another podcast about general aviation called the Stuck Mike Avcast. And that's, that's a podcast about learning and loving to fly and, and living to fly. And that's a whole nother thing about general aviation. And then I said, well, there's nothing out there about aviation careers. So I started Aviation Careers Podcast, which, of course, me and my entrepreneurial spirit turned into my job. So on my days off, that's all I do. I do career coaching, interview prep, resume review. And that's, that is where that all came from for years. And that was in 02 when I actually got into the business of helping people. But it uh, wasn't until about seven or eight years ago that I started doing the Aviation Careers podcast. And that has become a, a big part of my life. Uh, my, my wife is starting to tell me I need to cut back on it. But on my days off, Sometimes I'm doing 14 hours of just interview prep. Oh, wow. That's career awesome. Coaching. And I, it, it is, but I'm starting to learn. I, I just, there's just so much I can do, and I, I just uh, have to take time off for myself. Uh, you got to go back to that RV life, right? Exactly. Uh, now, and and, and on, quite honest with you, I started missing general aviation. I know it sounds weird. I fly a lot for the airlines, but you, you get it. There's difference between general aviation, small plane flying, and flying professionally. I want to be around people that are enthusiasts and people that are really excited about aviation. That it includes airline pilots, by the way. It's it's not exclusive to like the the doctors, the lawyers, the you know, nurses and all that that want to go out there and fly airplanes. It really it's open to everybody. And I thought that was that was really exciting. So that turned into a whole lifestyle of media and I started getting invited to do other things. And I started doing uh, Sun and Fun Radio. I'm the co-chairman of that. Uh, that's right here in Lakeland. And and then I started doing different shows like the Land uh, Sport Aviation Showcase, where we do live interviews online. And uh, and that's actually something that you know we talk about coming full circle. You talk about the motorhome life. When I started out looking at what I wanted to do in high school, I had already been working in television production back then because that's what I thought I was going to do, and worked on a TV show. Actually, kind of. It was a co-host for a little bit, and and I'm here. I am 30 years later doing it again, and and absolutely, absolutely loving it because there's just so many people that are so passionate, like yourself, and listening to people like you. Just it it gets me like so excited to hear you talk about what you're doing, but not just talking about what you're doing is is having other people tell their stories and really inspire people, kind of to to move forward in their career. Absolutely. If you don't mind, I have a couple of questions about kind of your story that you told a little bit, because some, some questions I think will be pretty valuable to other people that might be necess- not necessarily 16 years old in training, but maybe in their 20s, have a job. They're trying to, to multitask with their training. And one of the questions was, so obviously you had this company, you were traveling all the time. You went to di- so many flight schools, like you said, like you got your rating at a different flight school every single time. How did you manage working full-time and flight training at the same time while traveling, while doing all that kind of stuff. Because I get so many people that that come to me, that message me on Instagram, email, whatever it is, just saying, hey, like I really want to do this, but I don't know how. Like, Do I quit my job? Do I keep my job? Kind of talk about the process that you had with your job and flying and how you did it. So it's called no sleep. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It, It really, one of the things that I think is really important, I tell people this, is to prioritize your tasks. Um, get the monkey off your back, figure out what's most important to you. If there's a lot of things that you have to do and you need to accomplish, 
make sure you focus on that goal. I mean, if you want to actually land on a certain spot on a runway, focus on that spot on the runway. Don't look at everything else in the trees, et cetera. Just focus on that spot. If you, you know, like in football, you know, we want to put the football over the, you know, the goal line and score points. It's that simple. So that's what I did. I just kind of focused on the task at hand and then decided to get get those people out of my way. And and those people are trying to get in my life and trying to do things that would distract me from what I'm doing. I'd have to just say, no, I can't do that. There are certain things, though, that are very important. Your family um, and those type of things, they can be distracting and they should be. They're certain important things. But you also need to talk to your family and say, listen, this is what we're going to do going forward. And it's funny you said that because this is a question you know I get all the time in my coaching sessions, how do we go about doing this? How do I have a full-time job and actually uh, flight instruct, et cetera? One of the things that I tell people to encourage them, one of the busiest guys I know flight instructing when I was in Houston, he actually was in charge of telemetry at NASA. And he was one of the busiest flight instructors because what he would do is schedule his time and people would show up because they knew they couldn't get into a schedule otherwise but he would not let anybody get in his schedule on his days off. And that was really important. Stick to a schedule and and don't vary from that and be able to accept the fact that there are things that are going to happen. Weather happens, your car breaks down, somebody breaks a leg, you know, your child has a sore throat. These things happen. It's just part of life. And you can do it, but you have to be, uh, you have to get everybody together. This is your family and your friends are your team. And you call them in, you say, listen, I want to do this. I can you help me? And for those people that can't help you, well, sometimes it's it's a tough decision, but you have to kind of remove some of those from your life. Obviously, some you can't, <laughs> but, uh, but, but a lot of those people you do, and you just you go with those people that are going to promote you and help you. And it, it happens. It works. I, uh, was it a struggle? Sure. I mean, I did my instrument rating while I was... Uh, working 10 hours a day as a computer consultant, I'd come to the lesson and first thing my instructor would say to me is, hey, you need to take a breath and sit down and relax. Have and you that's slept what I would recently? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you slept? Yeah. You, and honestly, you you do need sleep. Uh, you figure out what you need. That's another important part. Some people need six hours. Some people need eight and a half. Uh, usually most people like seven to eight hours. And, and that's what I would do. Sleep is incredibly important. The other thing too, if you really want to achieve a lot, and uh, I did this in every different business I own. If you can arrange it, I get up even honestly, even now people think I'm crazy. They'll see my emails. I get up at like three or four in the morning and that's when I, that's when I start my day. So by the time eight o'clock rolls around, I've done all my work and now I can start answering phone calls and I can start moving forward. Uh, time management, the, to answer your question, time management is very important. Get a book on it. Start learning it. Listen to what I've done. Listen to what other people have done. But you you can do it. It's just, it's a process. And don't be afraid to fail because you're going to fail, fail often, make a small failures, learn from those and move forward when you're trying to arrange your time for what you want to do in your career. Absolutely. And so 3 a.m. I woke up at 7 a.m. this morning. I was feeling really good about myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was like 7 a.m. No one's up. I can just kind of answer emails, figure out what I'm going to ask you on the podcast, plan my domination for next year. And it's like, you're already done. You're already moving on to the next part. You're having dinner by the time I'm getting up. (laughs) As a matter of fact, that's what 
I'm about to do after this is go. Uh, we're having our big party after this, and that's another thing. You gotta you gotta make time for fun. Gotta so have fun. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go have a. I'm gonna go have an adult beverage after this. It's, yeah. it's exciting. Me of all people. When you know? <laughs> for sure. When you're in your training, I, I like that you said that. It's very important that you need to to work hard, but you also need to you know kind of the say it's the statement work hard, play hard. You know, it's like. When you are in the mindset of training, it's like that's all you need to be thinking about. That's all you need to be doing, whether it's at home, whether you're at the actual airport. But when you're taking a break, it's like enjoy it. Don't think about aviation. It'll probably be some of the best moments that you'll have is when you can finally just take a break, refresh, do something fun to come back to aviation with your full brain power and in your full mindset. Because if you just only do aviation for however long it takes you for training, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Like you're going to go crazy because it gets tough and you need that break and you need some fun. Yeah, I can't agree more with that one. As a matter of fact, before you go to training, you have to have a meeting with your family and say, listen, especially if you're going to training for an airline or a new corporate job, whatever, tell them, listen, you can't get sick. Nobody can die or yeah. get sick while I'm in training. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> have the flu right now, okay? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not going uh, to but, a funeral and I can't have the flu. <laughs> but that sleep part is very important because a lot of people do get sick during training, especially if you're doing like an accelerated type of program where uh, just like with the, some of the corporations and also the airlines, you do go through the accelerated process. You know that's that's really really important. But the but that whole question that you asked, I get asked that all, so often. Like, how can you do all these different things? And I tell people, I I have a team, just like you have a team. You don't realize you do, but your family is your team. Maybe you might have one of your children, you know, step up and say, Hey, listen, can do you mind help me out with this? You know. You know, daddy or mommy needs needs help. Can can you help maybe once a week helping out with the trash or, or something along those lines? Something that they have an actual part of your success. They have a a key role in your success. And it it does. It brings it brings your family together. Whatever your family is, your friends, et cetera, uh, whoever you you call your family. Make sure they're on the same page. Don't be secretive about this at all and tell them what your goals are because, you know, this aviation thing is hard to describe to people. It really is. Even, uh, I'm sure you have family members that still don't understand what you do. <laughs> You're like, you do what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you like wait, it. what? Yeah. <laughs> and you probably talk about it a lot too, don't yeah. you? Well, yeah, and I mean, I do have a podcast about it, so right, <laughs> some exactly. would say yes. <laughs> some would but, say uh, yes. No, support system's huge. That's, um, avi- you know, when you get into something that is going to be difficult in your life, so for my, for this is an example, is when I started the podcast, I didn't want to tell anyone that I knew because I was afraid that my failure would turn into an embarrassment. But what I should have done was tell them, so I gave them the opportunity to understand and support me to help me to further this to where I need to go. Because if I don't let anyone in to support me, then I don't know. They might have the answers for me to help keep me motivated or to to give me what I need to have all the tools in front of me to do the best I possibly can. So get a support system that's huge and let people in and let them know what you're doing to let them have the opportunity to help you. Communicate that, and that's important too, as far as that support system. I think it is. I think we're definitely on the same page there, and and that's why you're successful, and and you define that success. I mean, you you're successful in what you do because you enjoy what you do. It also you define your success based on what you internally think is important, and I think that's very very important in everybody's life. Um, one one other point though, I will make is that when you're doing all this, I talk about integrity a lot. Um, I coach a flight team in a college. And as a matter of fact, that's the party I'm going to, our holiday party after this. 
And one of the things I tell people is to win, but win with integrity. And and what does that mean? It's, you know, integrity is basically what you do when no one else is looking. It's what your internal being decides is important and correct. It's, it's ba- your values are based many times on what you've been taught, what your religion, those type of things all come into play. Don't ever, you know, don't ever, ever waver in your integrity. You know, make sure that you all, all the time are, are saying to yourself, is this something that I would do if nobody else is looking? That's really important because you'll feel a lot better about yourself. An, an example is uh, a lot of times there's people in this job, in this career that'll take jobs making no money and say, hey, I'll take that job. You don't have to pay me. Sometimes, you know, in your life, if you don't believe in that, then don't do it. You know, do, that's just a small example, but you will be asked to do things, especially in the aviation career, that are either safe, unsafe or illegal. And that's when the integrity comes in. You say to yourself, you know what? Uh, it's not just survival, it's integrity. And I think that's incredibly important. So hopefully you'll you'll take that to heart. Uh, uh, I think one of the most to, important things I ever learned was how to say no, especially when you're a, a low time pilot, when you're kind of in a weird spot where you really, really need money and flight time, whether it's multi-time, whatever it is, you need that and someone has that to offer you. And what are you going to do? You're not going to turn anything down. You're going to go fly that plane and you don't really might not know what's going all around, but it's important to, to dig, do research and know when to say no, know when it's not safe and when they're pushing you a little bit too far because they will take advantage of you because they want to make money and they don't care how it's done just as long as it gets done. So importance of saying no is one of the, the biggest things that any pilot can learn. And, and Justin, to add to that in your life, that's important too. Uh, all these things that we do while we're flying, I think that's why aviation is so good is that you, it's great for other things in your life because you have to make big decisions about safety and about integrity. And those things can go into other parts of your life. When you say no is just as important as when you say yes. And it's very hard to say no sometimes, especially with your time. That's for sure. But, uh, but anyway, the, uh, getting back to the career thing, by the way, I was going to, uh, going to when I got hired with the major. Uh, another thing, by the way, that I would like to mention, if you notice, I mentioned all my airlines that I worked for and I'm, you know, I'm in the podcast world. I'm in the media world. I actually, you know, own a quote unquote media organization. So one of the things that happened, like when I got hired with my current airline, and this is something you should think about is they actually approached me, the head of communications for the airline I worked for said, Hey, we see what you're doing out there. We were wondering, can you help us? with our communications and our social media. I was like, wow, I thought they were going to fire me. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're I like, like, phew, I should have come oh, to you God. a lot earlier. Jeez. <laughs> so. I feel better now. But what's important is that what you do on social media, and this was hard for me to get through people's heads years ago. Now I think people understand it, is really important because the first thing I do is a social media check before I do my career coaching. And if you put something out there that is either shows you doing something unsafe. Uh, that's not such a good thing. I'll give you a, one really good example. I had a, a student who crashed a plane and right after he crashed, he jumped out, started taking pictures, put it on his Facebook. So that is not the best thing to do yeah, not at, all. Uh, at that time. It's probably, and it, it was not a really good idea for many, many reasons. Think before you hit the send button. That's all I have to say there. And you may want to pull down certain things. Like I know it was really cool the night you were out there at the frat party with the you know the triple double you know or whatever bong out you know coming <laughs> up your hat. But boy, it really is not a good idea to uh, to put that up there on social media, especially if you're in an industry like ours. 
you know, where it's uh, drugs and alcohol are, are one of those. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Even the perception of it is important. I'll give you a great example of that. You know, I was, you know, when you're in islands, you want to purchase, I'll purchase like bottles of alcohol and stuff like that. And I had picked up two bottles of alcohol. I'm in uniform. And I went over to the counter and put them right down and let go of them and walked away for a second. And they're like, hey, don't you want these? I said, yeah, but I don't want to hold them in my hands. <laughs> I said, put the, if you could put them in the bag so I can bring them with me. Uh, so it's all it's all about perception. Remember that in aviation, it's, it is quite a bit about perception. Uh, even especially like in a corporate environment, interacting with your passengers, because sometimes you're flying somebody who doesn't ever want to see a cloud or a bump in the sky. Uh, the CEO might think, hey, it's fun to go through the clouds, but the wife may not or, or you know, the spouse may not, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of things about perception. But, uh, but, but going back to getting hired at the airline, I, one thing that you have to realize in your career is and in your life, your flying life, sometimes you don't know where you're going. But that's the exciting part about it. I had no idea I was going to work for this airline. I had no, I hadn't even heard of them before. Because I wasn't really, I was just enjoying the journey and I was moving forward with my career trying to get the hours. But finally, I get to where I'm at and I'm like, hey, I like it here. And I like my situation and I'm driving to work and my my job is right down the road. So you don't, you don't sometimes know exactly where it's going to be. You just have a general idea. But it's still good to be focused on that, you know, that goal going back to what you said about, you know, your time, et cetera. And that kind of thing. Yeah, a quick funny story, by the way, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, when I uh, when I got hired at the airline, you know, just going back to that, you know, I'm I'm sitting there in the interview, and like I said, I had no idea what what plane I had flown, uh, and it was I'm sitting there like, what was my first airline? I said, no, 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 it was this one. No, 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 it was this one. And it turns out the person that I was interviewing with, because sometimes they don't tell you who they are, happened to be the system chief pilot. Oh, no way. He, he looks at me like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. And I had done so well in the interview process. So just remember, when you're getting doing an interview with any job, you could, you could actually mess it up at the last question. And that's where I was about to mess up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And finally, I said to him, I said, listen, I got furloughed so many times that I never went through recurrent. I went through initial four times. I don't remember exactly what it is, but now I do. Now I remember which one it is. He looks at me and says, oh, forget it. <laughs> he says, you, you had such a tough journey. You know, don't, don't worry about it. You know, he <laughs> says, get it. But things, are, things have changed in the industry. Uh, both, I think it's good and bad. I think uh, the good is that it's, there's a lot of hiring. There's more people coming into it. It's very exciting uh, time. But it's also bad in that there's a lot of people that just think they can just jump in and start flying. Um, I had this happen the other day where um, someone had asked me, you know, you guys, you know, I went through training at the airline for like four weeks and I was a, you know, I became a flight attendant. But if I went through six weeks, that means I could become a pilot, right? And that's where, and they, they weren't joking. I mean, they, they, that's the perception is that we sometimes tell people it's so easy right now. All you have to do is have a pulse, you know, fog a mirror and you can get hired. I, and I do that sometimes too. And that's kind of a disservice. It really, it is not, it's, it's difficult, but that's the most ex- exciting thing about it. Is it impossible? No. Um, does it take extreme intelligence? No, but it does take hard work. And I think just about anything does. If you're going to be successful in anything in life, the most important thing is number one, show up for work. You're going to be 80% of the competition just showing up to work. If you show up to work and do your job and, and you actually do your job well 
you're going to beat 90%. It's really the 10 percenters out there that, that you're going to be up against if you just show up and do a good job. And that will, that will set you apart. It's that simple. Um, it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, uh, that, that's a difference there. And, and I'm sure you're the same way. I mean, you, um, you know, had that career progression and you really enjoy what you're doing now. But I think we're on the same page here is that I think anybody in aviation will tell you that they really, they love what they're doing, but sometimes we uh, complain about it a lot. And um, we're pilots, right? That's what we do. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, when I was a union rep, I would ask the person when they started complaining, how long have you been here? And it's usually, they'll say, oh, 12, 13 months. 12 months seem to be the limit. Once you hit 12 months, you complain about everything. And, and you become a pilot and we, we, and, and I'm kind of just a little bit in jest here, but pilots, again, if you give them a, a pot of gold, they're going to complain it's too heavy. It's just kind of the way we are sometimes. And we complain a lot, but that's not just us in general. And, you know, I did a whole podcast on my theory of negativity. People find it's easier to say negative things than positive things. Just go on Facebook, go online and see all the positive things you see out there. That's what I choose to do. But most people don't because it it's so much harder to say to somebody, hey, um, you look good today, you know, or you do a great job than it is to say, oh, that stinks, that's ugly. That's you hear those more often. It's kind of a little bit in our nature. Uh, but what we need to do, especially as pilots, try to change that. And, and in general, just look at the positive things and uh, think about this. You're here. You're in the air. You're flying. I mean, what a wonderful job this is. Uh, and it it is. It's a ter- it's it's just absolutely terrific. Um, but you will have those times in your career where things will get boring. It happened to me, you know, doing the same route all the time. Oh, yeah, here I am in the Bahamas again, sitting on the beach again. You know, this is the same. Woe is my, me. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same Mai Tai I had last yeah. time, you know. And and you start saying to yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute. So many people out there would die to have a job like this. So what am I thinking? And and I think that we need to put things in perspective. And that's when you start. You may not have to change your job. You may have to change your outlook. And and that's true in, in anything you do in life. That's for sure. You yeah, know? your perception's huge. I mean, like you said earlier, perception of how people view you and that could easily be picked up really quick if you're a very negative person or say you're in a cockpit and you have uh you're just a negative first officer negative captain that's going to follow you like those people talk they go on the message boards they have friends you're going to get a reputation very fast and say you're at a regional and you're trying to move yourself up to a major like that could kind of stick with you you don't know who's going to be in the hiring room all of a sudden they're going to see you be like oh my gosh this guy complains about everything (laughs) and you know when it gets to the point of you going from a regional to a major or anything to a major what like they know you can fly a plane. What they want to know is if you're a good person, you're going to represent their brand the way they want it to be represented, and they want to make sure they could survive a four day trip with you every single leg and dinner and a hotel and van rides and not want to kill you before the time is up. So that's important. And perception of how you view things and how people view you is just so huge. You know, when I I did interviews for the airline I worked for, and I said. To the person, you know, listen, I'm trying to determine whether I want to sit next to you for four days. And I know you have the skills. Um, I know you can learn how to fly this plane. But most importantly, do I want to sit next to you? And that that really, really is important. And you, you've seen it. I mean, you've sat next to someone who is just totally miserable. But if you can just kind of redirect that and change it, it helps. But you're always going to get those people in the in the three percenters, you know, where they're always going to be mad. That's just the way it is. Uh, you can't change those. But uh, the ninety seven percent of them are are pretty happy. That, <laughs> yeah. That's that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, 
When uh, this is kind of back to your training again. So obviously you have this this full career. You're doing really well. You're whether it's you're doing computer training or the computer software or you're doing crazy big deals with lobsters, which you never thought that would be possible. But <laughs> when in your mind did you know you wanted to be a professional pilot in the aspect of airlines or flight training and kind of separate it from your other businesses that you had? So the actual date that happened was back in May uh, 1989 when I first started. But that was that was in my mind. But it really, and think about this, you know, it took 10 years till I actually got there. But part of that was, um, was me and the guilt of, you know, hey, someone else paid for my education. I'm going to go ahead and, and do this other career. Uh, part of it, it, and I will blame myself for this. I did not communicate it very well. And that's why I say that. I, I didn't communicate to my family very well what the benefits would be and why I wanted to do it. And uh, because it, it is, it was a big deal. I mean, it really, really is to make that kind of change. And I know what you, I know what you're going through, man. It's like anybody who's listening, you know, I've I've been there. You know, I went to the flight school. I was like the oldest person at the flight school, that type of thing. It's just it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, I, I look at I did a job change, la, you know, late in life. One of my students actually would be the most senior person at the airline I work for. Oh wow, that's crazy, <laughs> so right? Yeah, and yeah. so you don't know. I mean, but you just have to. You know, when you make that decision to make that change, it may not happen right away until you put a plan together. And until I, I put a plan together and didn't let other things distract me in life, I decided to move forward. Now, now with all that said, I will say one thing. I, I was really blessed and I was fortunate enough to have, you know, my family who immigrated here. They, they all, you know, owned a business, that kind of thing. And they taught me how to work hard, et cetera, and, and understanding the customer. So I was able to, you know, do something that enabled me to financially pursue my goals. And uh, that is something that I won't change, even though I went into it later. And I think everybody else out there that looks at this whole changing jobs late in life, look at it the same way. Look at all the things that you've learned. You're not an 18-year-old, you're a 28-year-old or 38-year-old, and you have all this experience behind you. So don't beat yourself up that you got started late. Be be thankful for what you have and the experiences you have. That's what I feel. Yeah. No, I mean, you said it's very well said. It's like you, your, your story builds you the way that maybe someone else isn't built. So you're going to have this experience to bring it to the table where if you find yourself in an emergency or a situation, your prior experience might help you. Maybe what you had was very high stress and it helps you deal with emergencies. Or maybe you just have some very unique skill where you're able to help other people in the cockpit or the airplane or just whatever it is. It's kind of like you said, your airline reach out to you is like, hey, we like what you're doing communication wise. You thought you're getting fired, but we're actually want your help. So come help us. So your story helps build you into the pilot and the professional that you're going to be. So I yeah, definitely don't think bad about taking a while to get into it. It's just how it happened. And I mean, obviously in this, this uh, industry, seniority is everything, but I mean, also live your life, like enjoy it, go do what you want to do and have fun. And it, this industry will be here. Just, I can't agree with you more on that. And I, I tell you, I wish more people were like yourself and, and promote that because you do have to enjoy the journey. You have to get into flying because you love it. And, and that's really, really important. Sometimes we forget those things and we forget about aviation. I know, and I'm sure you do too, people in this industry, they just did it for the money. And when I was the furlough rep, I actually was like, gosh, 
you know, I would see people saying to me, hey, I should be making $100,000 a year now. It's like, well, we just had this crazy recession. Uh, those things will change. And you see this vicious cycle of people getting out of the industry and then waiting for the industry to turn around. The industry has turned around, and now they're on the backside of the wave again because they've waited 10 years to start over again. You know, don't do, don't do that to yourself no matter what it is you do. If you want to be a nurse or you want to be a doctor or whatever it is, just go for it and, and move forward in that career because you love it. You know, there's going to be bad times. There's going to be good times, but it doesn't matter if you're doing something you really love. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent agree. Let's talk a little bit about uh, careers. So obviously this is something that you're very passionate about. You're talking about how you do 14 hour days and your off days of helping people, preparing people where obviously we talked about the furloughs and how you help people do this. When did you realize and kind of, when did you come up with the idea for a podcast? Because you've been doing it for quite some time, right? Yeah, actually, let's see, 2000 and uh, where are we at now? So I was in 2000, anyway, it's like seven or eight years that we started the podcasting. But um, the the day that, <laughs> all right, this is going to be really embarrassing. I'm going to be honest with you. This is what happened. I, I actually had somebody listening to Stuck My Gavcast who was interested in careers. I said, well, that's easy. Just go out and find an aviation career podcast. And there was none out there. And I was talking, you know, to my friends and I'm like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, oh, really? Another podcast? <laughs> like, but I do something it, else already. <laughs> it, it, so, so I said, okay, I'll do it. And then I started doing it. And I, what I wanted to do is represent all the careers. And that's, that actually helped because I didn't want to just do pilots. It kind of evolved to that quite a bit because that's usually the one that takes the longest to get into. But I, flight attendants, engineers, uh, structural engineers, test pilots, I wanted everybody on the show so that people could learn what those careers are. Uh, and so I, I focused, it took me away from it a little while and I just focused on pilots. Now we're back to all the different careers in aviation. So that's really the only reason is I just couldn't find a podcast to give someone a reference to. So I said, all right, I'll start it myself. And, and by the way, I have a lot of experience in this and I can call all these guys at, at these different airlines throughout the world and ask them questions and have them come on. One thing though that happened is I found out uh, especially in this career industry, like, you know, a lot of people won't come on and talk to you because they're not allowed to talk to the media. I have interviews that I've had to, you know, shelve because their union or the company said, no, you can't publish that. That's okay. But uh, what I want to do is I want to get your answers out there. So I will anonymously answer your questions. And that's a big, that's become a huge part of our show is people writing in and doing that. But that was, that was it. That was how I got into it. It's that simple. It's like, I looked for a podcast. I couldn't find one and I did one. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you see, you see something that needs to be created and rather than wait for someone else to do it, you do it yourself. So that's, that's, that's awesome. That's admirable. What, yeah. uh, what would you say you've learned from doing this aviation careers podcast? Cause obviously your career might be a little bit different than the standard career. What w- would you say that there are more kind of abnormal career paths than you originally thought? Or, or do you think you're the, the outlier originally or what did you, what have you learned most? Yeah, I, that's one thing I've learned is that, especially from the career podcast, I think maybe because most people are listening that, um, now well, they, they are career changers, et cetera. The majority of my listeners are people that want inspiration because I, I do have inspirational message during it. But also the people that write in and ask questions are every single one of them, their path is different. Um, you know, I, I can say, yeah, I've heard this before, but I really haven't. Yours is, everybody is different. 
Um, whether, you, you know, some people have challenges physically or they have challenges in their past, et cetera, or they've had to go into the military for some reason, it, whatever it is, everything is different. So when you say traditional path, that's like you go to college, you go to flight school, you go to a regional and you move on from there. That actually, to me, is different than what I see. That's that's almost abnormal because that's not who I get to listen to. Isn't that strange? I mean, that's because... Because that's not who I get to interact with. So that is definitely, I think, true in in anybody's life. I mean, it's like with uh, any other industry, you go into a career and you go to college, you do that, and then all of a sudden you're in a job, but you suddenly, and that's where you have people have these midlife crisis, as they call them. Uh, I like to call them encore careers and career changes. But one of the things you find out is that you just, you arrived at your destination, but you didn't know where you were going. And that's what's really important is define where it is you want to go. My father was a good example. My father was a huge influence on me. He, at five years old, knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to become a doctor. Well, and a lot of hurdles, you know, came to this country, couldn't speak English, you know, had to learn the language and went to college and stuff like that and became a doctor. Well, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Nah, not most, most people don't, and, uh, but don't be afraid of that change. Uh, and I think that's kind of an important point to put forward there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really helpful for people listening to this podcast to hear that because when you are going through that, it might seem impossible. You might be like, well, everyone that is a pilot does flight school, regionals, major airline. And it's like no one else has the same path that I do, or it's pro- probably because it's not possible to do it. But the fact that you say that it's more abnormal for you now to hear someone do the, the so-called traditional path, that could really motivate someone to be like, oh my gosh, this is actually possible. Other people do this because when you're struggling, you want to find other people that have kind of laid the groundwork for you to, to do this, to make the change. So it's really great. And it's, I hope it's really motivating for people to hear this. It might be really frustrated in their cubicle and their nine to five job, looking at the airplanes, taking off at the airport and be like, man, that's what I want to do. And it's like, you can do this. Come on, <laughs> come on over. We're waiting for you. But don't define it, you know, define it, uh, the, the goal, but the journey is yours. The journey is yours. And that's really what's important. I think it's, it's also something that we have to internalize and we have to realize what it is we want to do. Don't be afraid to say, hey, listen, I, I don't want to be an airline pilot. I want to, I want to be the guy who flies Noah or I want to, I want to fly banners or whatever it may be. If that's what you love to do, then you do it. And uh, I, I have a guy that he flies banners at night. He's one of my neighbors and he loves doing that. And he does some odd jobs. He does, he's a contract corporate pilot. And that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to be an airline pilot. Don't, and I think sometimes when we hear people talk about, are you a commercial pilot? It's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an airline pilot. Well, you are a commercial pilot. You're a great example. You know, just you're, you're, you're a commercial pilot. You fly private aviation. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, when are you going to go to the airlines? It's like, no, 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 no. This is what I want to do. <laughs> you know, there's no, and that's what you have to do. You have to define that's what you is good for you. And, and you're a great example of that. And you're passionate about what you're doing. And it's exciting. I mean, I, I'd have to say that I love, I love what you're doing with your podcast because it's exactly those conversations with pilots, not necessarily going to a career, but all different things in aviation. It's like, it, you never know where it's going to start. You never know where it's going to end. And there, it's okay to get your licenses and then say, hey, this isn't what I want to do. I want to be a, an attorney. Well, that's fine. 
uh, you still have your licenses. You're always a pilot, and those those skills will always remain with you for the rest of your life. That's yeah. for sure. And I like how you brought up the fact that even though you're a commercial pilot, maybe you're just doing baron towing, it's like you're still a pilot. Because I struggle right. with that, but still, it's like I don't fly huge metal. So, like, you know, the kind of everyone thinks if you're a pilot, you fly for the airlines. When I tell people I'm a pilot, the first question they ask me is, what airline do you fly for? So, naturally, I kind of still have a mindset where I'm like, well, maybe I'm not a real pilot, you know? So, that's something that everyone struggles with. But yes, you are a real pilot. It doesn't matter if you're flying a 310 building time and aerial survey, you're still a real pilot. You're still out there doing it. You know, when, when I was out in boating in the Bahamas, there's one thing that we always used to say, it's not the size of the ship, it's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> you're all going to be able to see that same ocean, whether you're in a small boat or you're in a big ship and, and the captain of a big cruise liner. Either way, it's uh, it's the same world, it's the same sky. I see the same thing out of my Airbus as I do out of my Cherokee. It's both the same sky. Maybe able to get to see a little closer the Cherokee, which is kind of cool, though. I was gonna say, and you might be having more fun in your Cherokee too. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, you know, it's uh, although I will say I have, I do have fun at work too. I mean, that that's the thing. People will say, "Hey, it's it's just you know, you're just pushing buttons, etc." When do you actually get to fly the plane? It's like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, it does auto land. I was like, God, I haven't done an auto land in five years. You know, it's like, no, it's it. You are actually are a part of that process, and and. And we do, you know, we're paid to make decisions. We're paid to physically fly the plane every so often, uh, do the landings, the takeoffs. We're, we're there when things go wrong. Uh, you know, a lot of times as a, as a pilot, you earn your, your money in maybe 5% of your flying in that year, but it's an important 5%. And that's something that I think a lot of people have to realize. And people always ask me, oh, is this scary and stuff like that? Well, yeah, there's certain times you do get scared, but you know, you work through that. Um, but for the most part, it's enjoyable, it's relaxing, and it's really cool to see the sunrise and the sunset in the same day and uh, see it from a perspective that nobody else gets to see. And, and that's, that it's just so beautiful up there. Uh, and no, one of the things that you have to realize, yeah, other people get to see those on Instagram, you get to see it through the cockpit window. Absolutely. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And uh, when I used to fly freight, I used to see the sun, sunrise, sunset, and possibly rise again ever sometimes. <laughs> so I'm like, now you're working I'm, too I'm, much. Yeah, I was saying, <laughs> well, I was building my time. I had to do what I needed to do. Maybe I should have said no one or more times in my life. But it was, uh, it's nice having uh, working for the company I work for now. I'm only seeing maybe one sunset and sunrise in a day. So <laughs> that's much better. I wanted uh, to bring up a little bit. I know we're getting close to being here for an hour and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you have some good resources. Obviously, one thing that someone really struggles with with the idea of becoming a pilot is the cost. And I know that you kind of have a a scholarship guide. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the one thing that I, I really am passionate about is that scholarships guide. It's, uh, so what is it? It's an online, it's a directory, um, of scholarships specifically for aerospace pilots, mechanics, et cetera. We have well over $50 million in scholarships in the guide. So it's just the guide. It's the book that has, it's like the Zagats for aviation scholarships. What's interesting is that it's only $10. And it is one of those things that for me defined my life actually. And it's incredibly important and it's easy to get at aviation careers podcast. You can go to aerospace scholarships.com, but for $10, you get the, you get the updates every month. That's the most important thing. We update them, we add to them. And with that said, we also have people that are paying it forward. So when people contribute to the podcast or they want to pay it forward, 
they people can use a coupon it's called pay it forward all one word and they get get the scholarships guide for free and we've given away a lot of scholarships guide we that scholarships guide we sell multiple guides every day and it's so exciting because i the most exciting part is when someone writes me and says hey carl i just got a rating and i got it paid for by one of the scholarships i found in your guide and that is absolutely incredible and the reason i put that together had a lot to do with my mom she helped me put together the scholarships guide. I said, I want to do something and I want to change people's lives. Just like she did when people were trying to get into college and there were some people that had some challenges in our local community, that she would bring them in and help them fill out their applications for college and then help them get in. And that was huge. And that was a big part of giving back. And so she helped me develop this and she was very critical of it. And unfortunately, she passed away right before I published this guy. Oh no, I'm sorry. And and that was and thanks, but it was you know years ago. But it was one of those about five years ago. And I said, you know what? She was uh, the my biggest critic of this thing, and I am still hyper critical of it. And I hear people say, "Hey, listen, that scholarship's not available anymore." And that, you know, I, I try so hard to keep this up to date because I, I always think to myself, I'm wondering if, if my mom would have approved, you know, that kind of thing. You still do that. It's like, hey, I, I really wish she was here to see this because she, she was part of it when we only had $200,000 of scholarships in the guide. Now we have over $50 million. And, uh, you know, if she's looking down today, she'd be like, hey, listen, I'm finally, I think she'd be proud of it and because and we are. And but it's not me. It's a team of people here that you know at our business here that and Aviation Cares podcast that put it together. I can't take credit for it because that people were Alicia, who's our scholarships coordinator. She does an incredible job finding new scholarships. Um, but it it really it defines that's a big part that defines my life. Other than the career coaching and this, you know, all the courses we have and stuff, and that's really that that makes me happy. But it's so wonderful to see somebody who's thirty something years old says, "I want to become an airline pilot. I can't afford to get my CFI, but I got a scholarship because of the one that I found your guide, and now I'm actually a professional pilot." That's that, awesome. That that changes my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great resource, and for ten dollars, it's it's pretty good. I mean. That, I, I can't imagine how much work it takes to update that all the time and put that together. So that's a great resource. Where can someone find that? So like kind of plug either your podcast, where they find that, the website, find the guide, find your other resources as well so they know where to go when they're listening to this. So the easiest place is go to Aviation Careers Podcast. Cl- Excuse me, Aviation Careers Podcast. Click on scholarships. Um, also, of course, Stuck Mike Avcast, our general aviation podcast. We promote it there and, and aerospacescholarships.com. But aviationcareerspodcast.com. Click on it. You'll find it. It's the easiest way. Of course, it's also in iTunes, uh, or excuse me, the, the Apple Bookstore. It's in Amazon. The problem with Apple Bookstore and Amazon, especially Amazon, they don't allow me to update it. Once you buy it, you have to buy it again to get the updates. So if they do buy it online, I have them send me the receipt and then I'll give them one year access to the online guide because that's a big, important part of it. And hopefully in the future, we'll have it where it's strictly you know, a search. Uh, but I, I really think it's important for a scholarships guide to have it in front of you too. So we're going to come out with a printed version. It's Right now it's 580 pages. So it's a, it's a bit large, but uh, but it's but I think in something like that, it's what you do physically flipping through is really important to search for these scholarships. And uh, you know, I don't make a ton of money on it. It's only ten dollars, but uh, it's changing people's lives. And and that's what's it, just like you're doing here, 
you know, a big shout out for your podcast. You are changing people's lives. I think all these people in the podcast world, all this time that we put in is really important to help people just like you're doing here. And I, I love the conversations you have with, with the it. different pilots. Thanks. So, it means a lot. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Like you said, it's a, it's a lot of, we're putting a lot of work to it. Like, I don't know if everyone knows, but it's like, I consider this my full-time job. Like flying is like my fun job. I come whenever I'm home for three days, four days, five days. Like I work on this. I try to try to make sure that I have great content to publish and, the conversations that I've been able to have with some pretty cool people have been amazing. And like you said, and hearing people be like, Hey man, I just got my PPL and your podcast is the reason why I did it. Like, it's just, it feels so great to hear that kind of stuff. So I'm right there with you. That's awesome. Well, well Justin, we have to have you on aviation career podcast. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm, I'm down is, for sure. I could- you know, you said we're running out of time, but we could probably talk for the next 10 hours about Absolutely. all these things in aviation. But, That's the best but, thing about aviation. You can just go on and on and on. That's when I first started the podcast. I was like, what am I going to talk about? Oh, <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is pretty easy. I like this. <laughs> I have one more section for you before. I have one more section and then I have one more question for you. But okay, the section sure. that I'll do now is called a rapid fire section. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of aviation questions. And you say the quickest and first and fastest answer that comes into your head. Okay, let's go for it. Cool. What is the hardest check ride you've ever had? That would be the hardest check ride I ever had would be my CFI. What is your favorite airplane to fly? My favorite airplane to fly that I actually flown was a Cap 10B. What about just a dream airplane that maybe you haven't flown but have always wanted to fly? F-18. Ugliest airplane you can think of. Uh, that would be, boy, I'm going to offend some of my friends on this one. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, you know, guys, don't be offended. You know, I, oh God, do I it's have okay. to? It's okay. Don't get no, over no, it. No, I, yeah, they will get over it. But, um, I, I'd have to say, um, I had, I had thought the Zenith was, but okay. I probably going to build one. <laughs> That's funny. Coming full circle at you. Yes. <laughs> what is, uh, what's kind of the best looking airplane that you've ever seen? Uh, it's the Cherokee that I own, of course, but cause of I, course. is that hard? It's yeah. like, I can't, I can't, it's like a child, you know, yeah. <laughs> Airbus or Boeing Airbus. And what is your favorite airline livery? And you, you can, or can't say it. Yeah. What's your favorite airline livery? Uh, favorite airline livery would actually, uh, I'm a big fan of air New Zealand. Oh yeah. Those are good. I would agree. Air New Zealand was good. They also have really good commercials. I don't know if there's anyone oh, seen those before, yeah. but YouTube Air New Zealand commercials, they're great. Oh my God, they're awesome. Yeah. My number two, my number two, by the way, is Frontier. I love okay. Frontier. So. Frontier is a good one. Front, I, li- I like when people do, when airlines go different and different is definitely what Frontier does. <laughs> so, but it looks good. It's cool. What is, um, what's your favorite type of flying? VFR, IFR, nighttime, daytime? What, what about those? VFR. VFR. Night or daytime? The- Oh, uh, daytime VFR. I can see the world from above. That's my favorite thing. That is good. What's one thing you wish you knew before you became a pilot? I wish I knew that I didn't have to have perfect vision to become a pilot. <laughs> Would have done this a lot earlier. <laughs> Would have done this a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Um, uh, all right, you are, um, you're at your airline. You have maybe an hour or two, maybe less, and you're really hungry. You're going to the food court. What's your go-to food at an airport? Yogurt. Yogurt? Like a little parfait? 
Yeah, like, yeah, yoga parfait. Yeah, nice. like a, a, a Starbucks yoga, yoga parfait is my favorite. Yeah. Airline or Starbucks must love airline employees. I swear. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't that funny how quickly that came out? <laughs> yeah, right. It's just crazy. It's not even just airlines though. It's everyone. You ask anyone for coffee, be like, yeah, Starbucks. Be like, whoa, yeah, I didn't yeah. even mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite city to have an overnight in? My favorite city to have an overnight. Does it have to be? Uh, by that, do you mean like a big city or it can be any? Whatever, like, whatever city could be the one you flew in your Cherokee, could be with your airline, could be whatever you like. Uh, oh, okay. So it can be, uh, I'd have to say, honestly, it's uh, St. Martin. St. Martin's awesome. Yeah. I flew to St. Martin one time. I got to land on the runway right over the fence and it was really cool. That is so much fun. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Got a couple written down. Do you have, um, this is one might take more time to explain, but do you have a bad experience with a captain or an FO? Oh, yeah. Do you have time to tell it or give a little cliff note version? <laughs> yeah, I could, I could tell you. I have a million of those stories, but the one that, that comes to mind is, you know, a captain that, uh, just was being a, being a jerk to everybody, not so much to me, but to everybody else and, uh, wound up being dangerous too. So that was a point where, uh, well, and even turned out to have to file an ASAP report because of them. Uh, and almost, uh, you know, having, and, you know, almost, uh, an accident you know so oh, that, wow. that was a bad that's a yeah. bad time that because like of a bad time <laughs> <clears throat> yeah that that oh yeah i've had uh but usually no but those those are the ones i don't care if you're a, a, a jerk but just don't be unsafe but being a jerk and being unsafe those are the worst situations and that's yeah. what happened here okay well uh, do you prefer long trips or short trips oh gosh that's a really tough question because then I'd have to admit something. So I'm going to say, uh, I like touch and go. So long, short trips. Okay. Short trips. Those are good. Um, who are some people in the industry? Maybe you haven't met yet, or even someone that you have met. So it could either be who in this industry would you like to meet or who have you met that you were most excited about? Uh, the, the, one of the people that I actually got to meet, um, that I was really excited about is, uh, it's actually a group of people, the, the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, cool. Uh, and I've been able to do so many interviews with all those folks in every year and, uh, the women air force service pilots, there, there are other ones too, but, um, really I, the, the most, um, let me go back to the most amazing group of pilots that I got to meet was uh, the bombing of Hiroshima. I got to see General Tibbetts, his bombardier and navigator. And uh, it was years ago. And that was one of the most amazing things. I wanted so bad to talk to all of them. But um, as far as aviators that I really would like to talk to again, um, or or ones that I'd like to talk to that I never got to uh, have a discussion with, it would probably be have to be, and I never got to talk to Sean Tucker. I really have... Amazingly enough, out of all the different interviews I've done with the radio station, et cetera, it's um, the one person I'd like to just interact with and see if, is he really that high energy? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Guess you'll have to find out, right? You got to find yes. out for all of us. Hopefully he's listening. Yeah, I know. Come on, Sean, please. <laughs> well, perfect. Those are all the rapid fire section questions I have for you. My last question is for you. You obviously have a lot of experience in careers and helping place people in jobs. What kind of advice, if you could give three tips to someone that is just starting out to reach kind of their their dream job and their so three tips in their training and how they should carry themselves and kind of maybe outlook on life as a pilot training or life first coming up in training and being a pilot. What are three tips you would give a new pilot? 
Yeah, the most important one is focus on the positive. Focus on the people that are giving a positive message. Uh, what that means, and that might roll into number two, is ignore all the negativity. When you go online, you go to the, the Facebook, you go to Twitter, you go to the forums, extract the positive, throw away the negative. And that is incredibly important in your, in your careers to start doing that, extract the positive, throw away the negative. And when you're getting started, do stuff like, like listen to Aviation Careers podcast, listen to this podcast, uh, Pilot to Pilot, and start listening to those stories. I think that's really, really important. And find out what it is you need to be able to get to where you're going. A good example is, you know, what kind of things will you be looking for in a background check? What kind of licenses do you need? Oh, you need my FCC radio telephone operators permit. I didn't know those are the kind of things. And and the other thing that in a big part of it, and you've heard me say this before, but it really is important. Integrity is incredibly important. I today was asked to do something that was uh, both illegal and unsafe in an airplane. And you got to know when to say no. And make sure you're the final, you're the pilot in command. You always will be the pilot in command. You're the person that makes that decision. So don't do anything that's going to jeopardize your life or your career, especially your life, because if you you know, hurt yourself in an airplane, kill yourself in an airplane, you're not going to be able to fly the next day. Yeah, no. And you got a family and you got kids, you got all that kind of stuff. So yeah, say no. It's important to say yeah. no and learn it. Yeah, and that, those, are, those are three biggies. So Perfect. That's for sure. Well, Carl, thanks for coming on the podcast. We can kind of debrief a little bit afterwards if you'd like to, but I appreciate you taking the time out of your day, out of your Sunday to talk with me and kind of share a little more about your story and what you do. Uh, I'm appreciative of what you do. I mean, just that scholarship guide alone, I wish that I would have been aware of that when I was going through training. Maybe I could apply to, to make it a little bit cheaper, but you know, it's a, it's a great tool for people to, to have and a great way to try to make some or not make some money, but try to get some money to pay for their training because aviation is expensive and it's definitely can turn people away from aviation for that cost. But check out that scholarship guide, check out his podcast, check out the website, Carl, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Man, this has been great, and uh, I'm sure this won't be our last conversation. We we have a lot in common. I'm both very passionate about aviation, and you know I think that everybody out there can do it. It's just the most important thing is you got to do something today to move forward in your flying life and your career. Absolutely. But thanks so much again, Justin. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. AV Nation, that wraps up episode number 87. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As I said earlier, if you liked the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check out our website, pilottopilothq.com, or you can find links to our Instagram, our Patreon, and much, much more. So go ahead and check that out and share this episode with all your friends. Uh, until the next one, everyone, happy flying.